Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hey everyone, welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a semi-weekly program of uh, uh, discussion, sometimes uh, some teaching of an actual topic, and we've done that for a long time. Today we're on episode 71, and uh, there's been a lot of great content, and I hope that you have a chance to tune in, and if you look in the description below, you'll see a link there with uh, uh, links to some of our guests that are on today. Be Bill Thrasher, uh, Richard Murray, um, and some really good stuff there. So today we're going to be discussing this uh, topic of growing pains. Um, growing up is painful. In fact, uh, um, the most obvious one is in the uh, uh, when a child is born. There's a ton of pain, both for the mom and the baby. Tons of pain, but it leads to tremendous growth. Then there's the uh, even in the teenage stage, uh, depending on what happens with adolescence, some some kids they they hurt, they're sore, they don't know why, they're grouchy, they're all over the place, their hormones are blah, 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 all over the place, and it's a tough thing. And they're growing; those are called growing pains. And then we grow in our maturity, we grow in our knowledge, we grow in school, and so on, and so on. But what happens when a child is born and it doesn't grow, and something stops or isn't growing right? The blood work isn't right. We say something is really wrong. When a child is uh, five or six and we, suddenly they're not growing and something's wrong. So we look for what the problem is. Well, there's something similar to our spiritual growth as well. And I think that's a, a really big deal. I want to read uh, to you from a, a Ephesians. I think you're going to like this. This is uh, uh, David Bentley Hart's New Testament. Uh, this is a f really, really good translation. I've not preached from it yet, but uh, I want to read to you from Ephesians 4, uh, something that will actually hit your heart. It says, And he granted it to some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some shepherds and teachers, for the restoration of the holy ones for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of the anointed, until all of us come to the unity of the faith, not necessarily agreeing on theology, unity of the faith and a full knowledge of God's Son, to the perfect man, person, to the measure of the fullness of the anointed, so that we might no longer be infants, wave-tossed and carried about by every wind of teaching, by men's sleight of hand, by villainy attendant upon error, error's willingness, but rather speaking truth in love, that we may in all things grow up into him who is the head of the anointed one, from whom all the body, fitted together and knitted together by every joint provided according to its operation in the measure proper to every single part. It affects the body's growth for the sake of building itself up in love. We're called to build ourselves up in love, not in correct theology or church growth. This, therefore, I tell you and testify in the Lord. You are, uh-oh, now I got to uh, switch out on that. Um, you are no longer to walk 
Uh, you are to, uh, no longer to walk as the Gentiles walk, in the irreverent frivolity of their mind, being darkened in intellect, having been estranged from God's life through the ignorance that is within them because of the petrification of the heart, the hardening of the heart. Wow. Who, having becoming, who have become unfeeling, gave themselves over to the wantonness of for commerce and all impurity and inquisitiveness. Now, this might sound like, I don't understand all this. That's okay. We're going to reread this and discuss this whole growing up into Christ uh, so that we, get, we don't get tossed and blown by every doctrine that comes. Like, do you do that? Do you tend to um, get thrown off by um, uh, a new teaching that comes along? Ooh, this is the right one. And then you get into it and ignore everybody else. Everybody is suddenly wrong. Then another thing comes along. Ooh, this is the right thing. Ooh, and you just go boom, 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 boom. And you just jump all over the place. Uh, if that's your pattern... Maybe you got some growing up to do too. We all do. Nobody's arrived. That's why I call this program Still Growing in Grace. <laughs> when you think you've arrived at any one place, get your red flags out. Warning, warning, warning. Uh, there's more to learn. So I'm going to invite you now to uh, dig into this uh, a really fun interview. This will be about 25 minutes long. Uh, this is part one of two, and I think you'll really enjoy this. So enjoy Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray as we discuss growing pain. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing Grace. Uh, I'm with Richard and some other Bill guy here, Bill Thrasher. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a, a discussion we're having. In fact, the last three sessions we've had, we've talked about um, the roots of where we've come from and not forgetting our roots. And it was kind of fun to, to realize, oh, that's, that was a pretty big transition point in my life. I, I forgot about that. And we can't forget that others are also on the same journey and may not have met the same markers yet. So it, it, to me, this is about being gracious to one another and not be so quick to jump on people when they say things, what we think is incorrect wording, whatever. It's like being grace police, which is ridiculous. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> sorry. That's an oxymoron. I know. Yeah, we call, I heard the term grace Gestapo's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but honestly, it's almost like a grace a list. We, we move from uh, to grace because we're tired of legalism, but then you get so hyper in your grace concept that you become a legalist in grace, gracelist. And I think that's also unhealthy. And there's got to be room for mystery. There's got to be room for maturing. There's got to be room for expanding because none of us get it all. So right. very much. Yeah. Amen. So today I'd like to, I'd like to get into, um, we touched on it last time on this whole idea of uh, the stages of growth. Cause um, I know I, there are books, self-help books, you name it, uh, that are all out and here, how to grow, how to get to know Christ better, how to grow in faith, blah, 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 blah. But some of the steps are all doings. It's all a list of behavioral changes, not, not heart and mind. And so uh, the only text that I've ever come across that deals with that heavily is in First John, where it talks about child, young adult, adult. Um, or in Ephesians, where it says, you know, to become fully formed into Christ, that we should be mature, those kinds of things. Have you guys come across any key verses like that? Or uh, and then I'll jump in and show those verses so we can kind of have fun poking at it. The, the only one that comes to mind besides those two for me, and um, I believe it's First uh, John chapter one, is, is that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Yes, that's right? Luke 252. So, okay, there you go. So that, yeah, where, you know, the fact that Jesus had to grow 
is, is just such an amazing concept. And I'm sure we'll dig into that more as we go. Yeah, in favor with God and man. Yes. Ooh. Exactly. Yes. yes. So, <laughs> yeah, cool. we'll dig one. into that. That's the only other one that kind of comes straight to mind for yeah. me. I had to learn, memorize that at Circle Square Ranch. I worked there for years at the horse camp, and that was the, num- that was the verse. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. All right, Richard, anything to add before I read this verse? Uh, no. Okay. Let me uh, do a share screen and I want you guys to see a verse that has affected my life in a very big way. I'll just read it for you guys. First John 2, 12 to 14, it says, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who has existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. And it starts again, but slight twists and changes. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. Those are identical, hint, hint. And I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. So these these verses are quite powerful to me because it's implying a um, we're all different places and we can learn from these stages, I think, and it'd be interesting to, to see what you guys think of what's your reaction to the way I just read it. And even seeing those colored highlights of seeing the three different levels, you know, it's, it's an honest picture of human growth and not only human, but spiritual too. So what do you think? Well, do you have, can you put it back up? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think, uh, I like that. What, what do, uh, this is the new living translation. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Um, the passion translation says mothers and fathers for the mature, the, um, the King James and others, they go child, young man, father. Um, but the inclusive language is different. So this is a kind of a safer. Yeah. And you know, that in itself highlights what's going on here, Mike, I think, because even translations themselves that become more sensitive, uh, less rigid, more inclusive, mm-hmm. um, more reasonable, more conscience uh, satisfying, uh, more God honoring. <laughs> uh, listen, these, these guys weren't, uh, always, I mean, they're, they're Greek and never mind the translators translation of them. I mean, th- these guys weren't always articulate. In fact, you know, they, they, uh, they spoke roughly a lot of places and a lot of times. So the very fact that this translation has a sensitivity to not make it a male female type of thing with like the King James does, yep. you know, we need to get, we need to get over this man thing. You know, I, I realized that when we, when we use the word man, that's talking about humanity at least, but it, it alienates, you know, it alienates others. And some people use that terminology to exclude others. Well, we're talking about men in ministry, you know, first their sons, uh-huh. children, then their sons, then their fathers. But I love the, I was just struck by this wording here that it's it, more inclusive because we are children of God. You know, there's no male or female. We need to get the, you know, that. So, but that very thing to me is, is a, is a growing insensitivity that moves us out from this childhood type of stage where we may, you know, when we start off in the faith, we may think there's male and female and put all these silly rigid rules in there and, and, and maybe take an ancient cultures, 
misogyny and try to think that that's somehow spiritual. And as we iron that out and we lower the valleys, you know, we've flattened the mountains, raised the valleys on all this. I think that that's maturity. And, mm-hmm. and w- one thing I love about these passages is that what it says of the parent, does it say father at the end uh, on that? What no, is the, what, the word father's left out of it. I was telling the other translations will, I'll put it back on. It says to you who are young in the faith. So yeah. Do you see what you're looking I for? Mean, uh, Ryan, you're young in the faith because, uh, because you know, the father written to you who are mature. Oh, yeah, mature. yeah. There we go. Father yeah. is there. Yeah. Mature in the word. Yeah. I, and, and, and I love that because that's really, even though this is a more of a, uh, you know, the new living translation, you know, the scholars wouldn't think a whole lot of that. And yet that's so much better uh, mm-hmm. because it's letting the conscience come in and it's addressing people in, a, in an inclusive way. And um, I think that that's, that that's beautiful. And, but even, even if you take what the King James says about the father, you know, the, the young, the young, the children, uh, what does it say there? It says you've been forgiven. They know they're forgiven. A lot of people are walking in that revelation today. You know, they, they believe they're forgiven of their sins. Uh, and then the, uh, then the next one, uh, uh, you've won your battle with the evil one, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that kind of speaks of a, of a sanctification that goes on in the early parts of our faith. Uh, and you know, a lot of people are real big devil fighters and you know, I've been a <laughs> devil fighter before, but you know, there comes a point where the devil starts, I don't know, becoming, uh, maybe a little, uh, a little more, uh, off center to what, you know, to what's really going on here. And then the, the fathers or the mature just rest because they know him, they know the logos, they know him who is from the yeah. beginning. And that's just the knowledge of, of resting in that knowledge of, of who God is. And you're not, it's not that you still don't have battles, but you just, it's almost like I could see the whole devil thing and you know, the sanctification thing being a phase of a teenage phase, you know, yeah. you, you having to go out there and kind of prove your, whatever your, if it's testosterone or estrogen or whatever it is, <laughs> you know, that you got to go out there and, and, and understand that there's metaphysical enemies out there. Uh, and then that can, and that's good for a season, you know, for a season of your life. But then the, the end game is to get to this place and, and I'll, I'll shut up and let, let Bill talk, but, uh, to get to, uh, to get to this place where we just know him who is from the beginning. And that's really, and, there, and, and, and that's a place where you don't really have to have explanations. Uh, you, you know, you're just resting. And, uh, so that's anyhow, that's my thought on it. That's cool. No, I, yeah, I totally agree. And, and I think, as we can, I don't know, stretch. And, you know, one of, I know Richard said this before, and I love saying it too, you know, when we get to the point of comfort in our faith walk, where the scriptures are not this dead letter, literal parchment that we have to like, you know, get everything to work correctly, or we're, we're off base and God's mad at us and all that crap. Once we can think of it as Play-Doh and we can start massaging it and thinking about it, stretching it this way and looking at it this way and, you know, bending it and twisting it to, to reflect Christ more and more, we see that that, you know, child, um, young adult, old adult, however you want to say that, those are three steps. And then there's layers even in between those, right? And I, I think summing up that passage, that last sentence I wonder, and the way I read it at least, is that one's inclusive of all, right? God's word. So I have a, you know, young, mature children, yada, but then the final thing, God, God's word lives in your hearts and you've won your battle with the evil one. That's not saying only to the young. 
he kind of twists it at the very end saying, all of you have this and God's word there. I think it's so interesting how this is the opposite side of translation that Richard, we were talking about it softening and being better. The one thing I would say there, that, that word, interestingly enough, the word word isn't capitalized in the new living and yet it's mm. logos, right? Ah. <laughs> right. It's logos. That is the logos. And, and if you look at actually the Greek, if you just break it down from the, um, the Greek translation, if you want to kind of go word for word, it says, and the logos word of God in you abides. Love that. Wow. The Jesus of God in you <clears throat> abides and you have overcome the evil one. Um, it's really how it says there. So, and it's talking to all of them from mm -hmm. the infant all the way through the most mature of us. The logos abides in us. Mm. Not so the maybe, Bible, maybe this is not about the awareness. Truth. Maybe this is the yeah. stages of awareness and awakening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. Ob objectively true, all of it. Yep. So one of the things that I was very excited about um, seeing this, and when it says, "I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven," um, I don't know how many people are growing and living in church right now in the Western world who have no clue they're forgiven and yeah. yet they think they're mature. They're on elders boards. They're preaching even, and they have zero clue. They are forgiven. And if they are, it's because of their practice of saying a few words, because it's up to them if they're going to be forgiven, this transactional forgiveness. Like to me that when I realized that's child level, what's the stage before child? Is it infant? Yeah. Like, Oh my and goodness. Infant, that, infant walks in the innocence the innocence of not needing forgiveness. There's a stage pre-child where we're just blindly aware of God's love, right? And, and we probably don't even know Jesus. And we don't even think, we don't even know we need forgiveness. And that's a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. But once we do walk into the awareness that we do have baggage, that we have hurt another, that we require some remediation for you know, the transgressions we've caused that are unloving, because that's just reality. That's we're humans. Then we, we pile on laws, we pile on conditions, we pile on the baggage and we get into that stage of my mom told me not to touch the burner because she knew it was good for me. Now I've touched the burner and I know it's bad for me. And so we start putting laws and consequences and rant, and that's the childlike. And if we don't ever graduate out of that, like you oh, just in that what? right? Graduate what? Out of that. <laughs> and well, and into adolescence. And that brings a whole nother phase in, I think. And that's, well, have you ever seen a teenager with the hormones? Holy smokes. I have two. <laughs> Richard, hey. you, never, you don't know what that's like at all, do you? <laughs> hey, hey, when I was, when I was the equivalent of a teenager in the spirit, I mean, I was out devil bashing left and right. You know, I, I just was, uh, and, and I love the Lord too then. I mean, and I was yeah. interacting with the Lord, but I was very spiritual warfare focused. And that was necessary for that stage for me because it was where I was at. It was what, it was an emotional language that I could understand. You know, I was a wrestler, I, you know, in, in school. And it just was in a way that helped me kind of man up and at least try to uh, stand and contend against these enemy forces out there, you know, that are trying to destroy us. I mean, you know, gosh, we, whatever we call them, we do have enemies out there who are trying to corrupt our thinking, trying to deceive our thinking. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we need to deal with them and we need, but, but, but you get, you push through until you, until you, you hit the promised land and the promised land is that, you know, the father's heart. 
and right. that you become unshakable really when that happens and you know you rest on him and you stop trying to you know fight and bash these things so much i'm not saying you still don't resist them but it becomes a different form of resistance it almost kind of turns into rest rather the resistance turns into rest how about that <laughs> yeah and i would say that that in a lot of ways to me adolescence in the faith it represents to a lot of our friends and, and 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 what i mean by the three of us i think there's a natural rebellion that happens in adolescence um, my dad always used to laugh and say I was actively in rebellion. So my dad <laughs> was a rock and roll sound engineer. And he has, if you, you've seen Back to the Future, you, Richard's met my dad. Um, you know, Doc Brown? You, Doc, that's my dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. That's my dad. <laughs> you think yeah, Doc yeah. Brown, the hair, the white hair, boom, that's my dad. And since I was, I don't know, 16, I've kind of had a buzz cut because I joined the Marine Corps I've had short hair since the early teenagers and, and Dr. Jerry Vines, I think he's passed away now. He was a, a lead pastor at First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, a huge church, 6,000, 8,000 seat church. And my dad did uh, all the audio systems there. And he would come up to me and he'd pat me on the back when I was young and say, boy, we got to get you right. You're an act of rebellion because your hair's so short and your dad's hair so long. <laughs> you know? And as a Southern Baptist pastor, it was, it was a play there because I was actually the one with the clean cut haircut. <laughs> but it's that natural rebellion. I tried to escape my dad's career path and join the Marine Corps. And, and, and subsequently, I've been dragged back into a very similar industry. But we, we test those boundaries and we start challenging preconceptions and these notions of what we've been indoctrinated. And I see that among so many of our friends, some of which do it in healthy ways and kind of get to productive means. Some of us are actually just, you know, taking sledgehammers and, and pounding things into sand and there's nothing oh, left yeah. to build. Right. Yeah. And, and but that's how adolescent is that? I mean, from a, you know, from a, it's sophomoric when you really think about it, to use a yeah. good word. Um, and, and, but you're right. So many people stay trapped in childhood and they don't graduate into that. Okay. It's time to challenge those things we've been taught. Um, uh, and I think that like, challenge is part of the teen stage. I, to me, that's, that's how I see adolescence. And, and a lot of people don't ever get to even adolescence or they do, they well, get that, to pretty late. That's my point. This, it says I'm writing to you children because your sins have been forgiven they don't even know they're forgiven that you can cover a bunch of other theological topics they're that they law. haven't grown up in. still Pardon? walking in law right yes he jewish he's writing to jewish people exactly yeah. the second time he says it he says i've written to you who are god's children because you know the father okay that that is different this is about a child knowing who their daddy is yeah right identity your lineage where you come from like many people in the church don't know who they are so to me, that just that child level, that really caused a lot of stir in me. And I, it made me look at the other levels and what does child look like? What does young adult look like? What does adult look like? And it's been very, very helpful for me, not just to create stages so I can measure myself, but to show grace and see, hey, mm -hmm. somebody else could be in this stage. Ah, and if I'm in, a, let's say, a young adult stage, because I have so much more to mature, I'm not going to look down at a child with negative judgment. I can say, oh, they're children. It's easy. You know, they're, they're noisy. But I would you say know? my children know, have known me. And Richard, you can probably extrapolate on this even more because you're, you, you've gone further in the progression of fatherhood. Same with you, Mike. But the, the father my kid knew at five or six years old was the father that gets on the roll and roll floor and plays with them. 
and and tickles them and loves them and, and just enjoys them and in one minute can turn around and scream bloody murder at them because they're running to something dangerous. They're running into the road and a car's coming. And I, I come across as mean and violent in my, in my tone because I need them to understand there's danger. And so it's a very bipolar experience maybe in their early childhood of who I am. But now I have an 18 year old son and we go, we're becoming friends. I don't have to have those sways of emotion and reaction because as he's maturing, I'm becoming, he's, he's getting to know his father in a different way. That's good. That's good. You know, there's also kind of a Trinitarian Mm. aspect to this when you think about it too, between the father, the father in the beginning, and then the the teenagers, the Holy spirit, that's when you're learning. And, and, you know, we have to learn the difference between our zeal and the spirit zeal, but the spirit is zealous. You know, it's like Paul said, the spirit is zealous, but for a good thing. The whole, you know, he says they're zealous for a good thing. Unfortunately, as teenagers, we're often zealous for, you know, for bad things or, you know, for at least uh, unspiritual things. But, uh, and then in the end, you know, him who's from the beginning, you know, obviously would be the logo. So, I mean, there's sort of a Trinitarian aspect in there too. And it's not saying that you can't know the Holy Spirit when you're a child. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there may be others up. There's a, the Trinity helps maybe help us visualize this, 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 there's always seems to be threefold to God's wisdom. You know, the Proverbs talks about the threefold wisdom of God. You know, that there are three things. There's always three body, soul, and spirit, you know, three strands, not easily broken. Um, you know, and just that obviously the threeness of the Trinity, but that's, there's a growth in that. It's almost like the Trinity gives us something where there's a lot of room to grow, you know, a lot of room to evolve. And there's sort of an alchemy at any one moment, you know, between spirit, son and uh, father, you know, that depending on, like you said, you know, depending on the circumstance, you know, on the wreck, you know, on the danger on this and that and the other that um, uh, and maybe it breaks the shackles off our mind to just uh, uh, just cohere, just God in one in one one member of the Trinity rather than having a bigger view. It almost keeps us in a good way off balance. Yeah. You know, that, that, that we're bouncing back and forth between these because it's big. God is really big. And we, we lose that, that sense of that. No, I, I love that. I think that's really interesting. And, and I actually wrote about this. And so I'm kind of like bouncing off that. That adolescent has to lead. Adolescence even has to lead to somewhere. Right. Ultimately. Imagine and, I mean, that's where we only teenagers. Those are who mature in the faith. Right. Go back into that passage. Um, and I think maturity has different stages in it as well. There's there's. One, one of the things I've talked about in the past, and maybe we can kind of in our next session even start to extrapolate onto this, um, is the idea in, in church, at least for me, I've heard so much in my life about we got to have a discipleship-minded church. Discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. We're creating disciples, you know, you know, and we go back to the Great Commission and we think about this. Discipleship, at least again, the way I've studied and I've come to understand it, is not where we're made to stay. It's a step of spiritual maturity as well in our walk with Christ. The, the, the disciples didn't stay disciples. They didn't even refer to themselves as disciples of Christ as we get past the, um, the, the gospel accounts. And they, they called themselves apostles, right? And, and I don't like getting hung up too detailed on the words, but they matured into a different confidence, um, encouragers. They, they, were, they were courageous to the point of death. 
they weren't like that as disciples. They were scared little weenies in some ways, right? <laughs> when, it, when brass met tax. And so I think even through our maturity, through adolescence and into the adulthood of our faith, and like I said, maybe that's the next section is really talking about where maturity ultimately takes us, um, is, is what does that transition look like? Were these snot-nosed teenagers walking with Jesus in that adolescent stage? That's good. Where are we supposed to go into our adulthood where we're, where we're confident and, and we're starting to do things? We're starting to walk in the confidence of, of the power as co-heirs. But right? Peter couldn't see that when he was in the garden. He's no. in the schoolyard. Okay, the garden is the schoolyard. Right. And so there's Peter picking a fight in the schoolyard at recess, you know. It cuts off somebody's ear. Exactly. So, team. Well, well, you know, it leads you to think, too, about this whole thing of deconstruction that we're all going through, you know, in the sense of really, it would seem to be, you know, I think we each come from a from a background, you know, where we would have had our, you know, trounce with the devil uh, phase and really big into spiritual, you know, warfare, spiritual praise, you know, all that. And we're learning the voice of the spirit. And then I'm not belittling that. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying, but the deconstruction almost takes you back to a place of uh, of uh, of good uncertainty. You know, there, there are there are a lot of things we are certain about it. You know, as teenagers, we're certain about a whole lot of things. I, I would say that totally I was wrong. much more certain as a teenager than I am now. That's but right. uh, uh, but but part of this deconstruction is we learn to crack the nuts of the silly stuff that that we're certain about that keep us from growing. And if we're going to grow, I think we need to maybe have this in view that deconstruction, the purpose of deconstruction is to allow us room to grow more. Right. And, and re- it's not an end, but it's sort of like the river that we might cross to get into maturity. Yes. So the deconstruction that has to happen, because I know people don't like that using that word, but whatever is being deconstructed was never meant to be there in the first place. We yes. should not be afraid of it. Yes. Well, maybe it Amen. was meant to be there for a season. Could right? be, but then, well, okay. Okay. Right. And that's, uh, I think that's one of the things it's okay. Just like Richard's fighting with the devil for a season that, that brought him. Yeah. I read Frank Pretty too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so it it was meant to be there, but not permanently. Right. We weren't supposed to build a temple in this spot and stay there forever. We were meant to have a campfire there for a night and then move on. Right. Uh, We got a friend that says that uh, often. And, and so, I think that's that's the way I kind of have seen this and, and kind of think about it is, and I think about the institutional church that way and my experiences in church. So many of them have had so many meaningful, beautiful seasons of growth. They were meant for a time. I don't. I but don't they turned the it. campsite into a city. Yeah, exactly. Right, and then, right. And then yeah, build a wall around it and try to keep people locked in, and and that's that's not healthy either. And. Um, yeah, it, we're meant to grow, um, both individually, collectively, um, and corporately. I think all three, and back to that three thing, right? So there, there, are, there, there are the ecclesial kind of groupings that grow. There's my personal growth, and then there's the corporate bride of Christ who, who grows also. All right, let's, let's uh, pick this up in the next session. Um, cause I think there's a couple of things we want to still get into. I, I, I see you guys going, mm, there's a couple of things I want to still cover. So <laughs> I, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say 
And because uh, this, again, this topic is so big, but we can't cover it all in what we're trying to do with these conversations. So yeah. we'll do the best we can. All right. Thanks for watching and uh, look forward to catching y'all next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that first half of our conversation uh, into the idea of growing pains. Uh, it's really fun to listen. I know when I we, when it was recorded, it was exciting to have the conversation, but listening to it again as uh, with you um, is really cool because I'm hearing things I, I forgot we talked about or hearing different lenses, and you, I just can't get enough of this. So I hope you'll join me next Wednesday morning, same time, same place, uh, for part two of this uh, Growing Pains uh, discussion. And uh, yeah, would love to hear your feedback. Uh, email us, message us if this is an encouragement to you. Even send a donation to Still Growing Grace. That's great. But uh, these conversations are for all of us to grow together, to be um, in the same... Well, we're part of the same family, but each of us are at different places of growth and we need to learn from each other. No one has it more right than the other necessarily. So I think it's pretty cool. So anyway, thanks again for joining me this week and uh, we'll see you next week. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.